Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. So we're talking about the heart of marriage. God said we should God marry the heart of God. God said we should pray concerning marriages. And one thing I began to began to get is that I feel that God has also helped me in the little journey that I have to kind of remember, remind me what is, what needs to be done in issues around praying for marriages. Why? Because, because there is the aspect of not only Sorting out the symptoms, but the roots of issues. So, for example, is that I and my wife, we, we thank God for nine years of marriage. I was asking her this morning. The, for you, so when, I, when I'm teaching about something, please don't just think, uh, you know, they are not talking about spiritual things. Um, we had, we must have had about, I think I asked her this morning. On the average of maybe five times a year, let's put it that way, that is at the minimum, five times a year she had dreams that people would be telling her in the dream, you have to leave this marriage. There were dreams that she would see people carrying her luggage and saying, you are living here, we have a husband for you, you are not going to be in this marriage again. What I'm trying to say is that it is, when it comes to spiritual warfare, we are seeing it. But God was making me understand that that is not, you just, see, you can make oil and give people oil. It doesn't, except there are, there are the, the, we begin to look at issues where the devil would make, would, would see, when the, I'll give you an example. The Bible, the, the Bible talks about what did the devil do? When he came to the Garden of Eden, he deceived. What instrument did he decide to use? The serpent. Why did he use the serpent? Why not the horse? Why not the, uh, what was it called it? Why not the rat? Let's have Genesis, please. He says, yeah, he says, now serpent was clever. This version is good. When you go to the King James Version, you will say, serpent was more cunning. So in his cleverness, the devil decided to use that particular nature of his to penetrate. So if, this, if he had mastered this nature, the devil would not have used him. Does that make sense? I'll give you another example. Peter. You know, Jesus said, the devil has come to shake you, to sift you. He said, but I have prayed for you. When the devil came, what did the devil do to Peter? He made him deny Christ when he was under pressure. The question is, is that the only time Peter misbehaved when he was under pressure? No. 
The Bible says in, if you go to the next, um, in, hallelujah, God help us in Jesus' name. Now when you go to, it is, um, is it Galatians? Uh, the Bible talks about when, when Peter, sorry, okay, Galatians chapter 2. The Bible says that now Peter had come to, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him, that is Paul. Paul said, I stood, I stood against him to his face because he was to be blamed. For a certain man came to James, he would not eat, sorry, he would eat with the Gentiles. Now, so basically, what was happening here is that when Peter came to a particular gathering, he saw Gentiles were eating. And Peter sat down and ate with them. There was no problem. But when, but when they came, that is some Jews, when they came, he redrew himself and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. What did Peter do here? He caved under pressure. Does that make sense? So, the same issue is what the devil used when he saw him the first time. The devil knew that he was going to cave under pressure. That's why he, he brought that girl in the face of everyone and said, you, we know you. Peter caved him. That's not the first time Peter even caved him. See, at times, your weakness may be exhibiting itself as strength in the wrong place. That was why Peter also, also clam, it, it was his weakness that was clouded. That was when he brought out a sword because he felt he was on the winning side. That's why he brought out the sword and cut off the hair when they wanted to arrest Jesus. The same weakness manifesting in different ways. So what am I trying to say is that one thing which I feel that God is, is, is really particular about is that we just don't, I just don't say let us pray, but begin to only begin to look through the scriptures as we begin to try to, to, to see the original plan of God. Amen. Now, when we go to First uh, Corinthians, please. I want you to know something as we start. We'll have a couple of weeks of this, as God wills. Is that whatever institution God creates, God does not ex does not is not looking for experts in that institution. It is not that it does not appreciate the place of knowledge, but it does not expect people to join that institution who think that they are going there to improve on the people they are going to meet in that institution rather than they also needing something from God in that process. Does that make sense? So, for example, let me give you one of my ridiculous examples. That was the day I went to preach. I was going to go and preach somewhere. It was a Pentecostal church. Quite a large Pentecostal church in Nigeria. So as I was preparing the sermon, God was guiding me on what to say. And 
at the back of my mind, I was also thinking, I am going to go and show them. They think that CNS cannot preach the word. I will show them they will not. And I was about to, God said, just to let you know that you are not going to talk about me. It is you. I said, why? He said, said, you are going to prove that CNS has arrived. So, (laughs) you can go and do your own. What was God saying? No, see, even though you are sharing the word, you are also learning as those words are coming out. So when God is inviting people into institution, he's not looking for professionals. But, so that's why the Bible says God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Now, if you go to uh, the next one, please, Exodus. It says, the Bible says, and it says, this is when God was designing the temple. He said, you shall speak to all gifted artisans. So God is not saying that you cannot have knowledge. But he said, whom I have filled my spirit of wisdom. So God is saying, you may have the gifts. But when you still come into that system, you need me to make it work. So understanding that, we will now go to the original plan of God. And I can spend a bit of time here. God help me. Genesis chapter 2. He says, and God caused Adam to sleep. And he slept. And God took one of his bones and closed it up and placed it in his flesh. He said, then the rib, sorry, the rib which God had taken out from, from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to, him, to the man. Yes. And Adam said, this is the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh shall be called woman. A woman was because she was she was taken out of a man. Therefore, that is to say, this is the reason by which you go into marriage. Any other reason that this is not the base is wrong. Question is this. What is the reason? Adam is going into marriage to discover what is missing in his own life. Adam is not going into the marriage to go and discover what is missing in Eve. He said for this reason, when he wants to go to a marriage, he would, that is the place you would find out who you truly are as a person, as a Christian. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. This is the reason. So that means that Adam has lost a bone. Now, ignore the issue about bone anatomy and things like that. There is an aspect of Adam that he cannot discover because when God took it out, he closed it up. 
But until he gets in, meets that woman and they become one, he will never discover his strengths and his weaknesses. Does that make sense? So when I'm going into marriage, I am not going there to go and lecture. <laughs> I am going there to discover myself. I said last week, you think you can prophesy? You are, you are, you are, you are powerful in prophetic ministry. When you get into marriage and challenges begin to come and you're offended, it is, that is where you would know if your prophecy is accurate or it goes along with emotions. Does that make sense? Because that is where you would discover your challenge. But any other reason for going into marriage would have a challenge. I have a master's in marriage counseling. Therefore, I am going into marriage. That it's not a place to lecture. It's a place to first of all learn about yourself. That is why when Jesus was talking about marriage, Jesus said, this, in the beginning, this is the original plan. And when he heard it, he said, for this reason, because until you understand the basis of to discover something that naturally you may not see. When Adam woke up, he was covered. And when Eve must have said, I'm your bones, from where? <laughs> I'm a complete man. I was complete before you met me. <laughs> Hallelujah. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Now, because this is important as we begin to take these steps, I want you to know, I would, I would come back to this scripture because there's a lot loaded in this in this particular scripture. But as we go on, see, there is this couple, John and Lisa Bever. Can I make sorry? They wrote the story of marriage. You need to read the book. It's quite good. Those who, were, who, who listen to preachers and things like that, you've probably heard about them. When they got married. No, when John met Lisa, she was not a Christian. On their first date, very first date, John led Lisa to Christ. In that first date, she was baptized in the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit and she began to speak in tongues. What other relationship is made from heaven? And I would never forget one thing she said. When they went for counseling, after they decided to go marry, get married, the people were speaking to them, but they were not listening. Because as far as they were concerned, excuse me, God, God ordained both of us together. We were made from heaven. Until when they got into the marriage, 
It got to a point, Lisa said she carried a lamp and wanted to smash his head. He said, if we had known then that because it is made in heaven, somebody said, so is lightning made from heaven. <laughs> she, so she said that, you know, he said, if I had known, we thought that because, you know, which other relationship would you talk about? That, you know, we were, when people, when we were doing my people were saying, oh God, Holy Ghost is here. And things like, she said, she said at the time, when they got married, when issues were going on, he said, people say, we can see the hand of God over, over your life. He said, she knew that, you know, if they saw that hand well, God is ready to smack them. <laughs> not, not necessarily that he has something to say. The hand, because they knew what was going on. What am I trying to point out to use this? That there is, that was why I started off, that we had had spiritual warfare. But what God was saying to me is that prayer helps, but wisdom builds. Does that make sense? God grant us in Jesus' name. Now, why is marriage always under attack? Spiritually. Because that is the first expression of God of how heaven looks like. It is the expression by which even unbelievers would understand how the church works. That's why Ephesians says that husbands, love your wife. Wife, submit yourself to, uh, as Christ loved the church, wife, submit yourself to, to your husband as the church submits itself to Christ. So what he's saying to us is this. Before I push things a little bit forward. Is that if you, you are a husband and you have no clue what the relationship of Christ is to the church, you will just be hearing, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You have no clue what they're talking about. Because you would say, I love my wife. Ah, we'll get there. Until you read that scripture where you discover that the love that you're talking about has nothing to do with what the scripture is talking about. Wife, love your, submit yourself to your husband as the church is to Christ. So, what does that mean? Except you understand the relationship of Christ with the church, you would struggle in marriage. Or your struggle would, would be unending. You know, every marriage is going to, we'll talk about it, is going to phases as you go. One thing I would tell you is this. What do you, what is, how does the church, which are Christians, and Christ communicate? You know, one of the things the Bible says to us is this. The Bible says that when Jesus sent them out, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. He now said something weird. He said they will speak in a new tongue. 
that means there would be a way, a language. Please don't go spiritual. Uh, yes, I'm just saying. Just, but he said there would be a language that they will be speaking. In fact, Paul said that when you speak that language, it is a mystery between you and God. So that means that even though we are all human beings, in our relationship with God, there is a way he speaks to us and we understand, and there is a way we decode what he's saying. Does that make sense? That, and so also, the relationship between the husband and the wife, there are hidden languages you must understand in order to be able to move together forward. Gary Chapman called it five love languages. Does that make sense? That's why I said don't go quickly spiritual, spiritual. Five love languages. Except you understand how this language is. Let me give you an example. Now, one of the first challenges is this. Is that most of the time when you, you have a language yourself as a person. Where you feel accepted, you feel loved when someone speaks in that kind of language to you. But most of the time, you use that same language to speak to somebody else. What are the five languages of love? Let's say the, the one is words of encouragement, act of service. So that's act of service, quality time, physical touch, gift giving. Are we together? Now, have you ever heard of somebody buying gift for his wife? And the wife says, You don't love me. Says, ah, what else do you want me to buy for you? I have bought you the whole world. You, you don't love me. And the man goes, Oh, why? You are so ungrateful. The thing about it is that it doesn't mean you don't love one another. It just means that one is speaking one language and the other is speaking another. So, one is saying, buying gift. Maybe the other one is quality time. Does that make sense? That's why when you don't understand the relationship of the church with Christ, that there is, even when, now, this is one thing I want you to first of all also know as we go on on this. The Bible says, for this reason, will a man leave his house, his father and mother, and, and, sorry, or and join himself to a woman? What does that mean? You are not married to the whole women in the world. You are married to one. This is how you treat women. And you now say, well, they used to buy gift for Kemi. And see, so you just buy gift for you. What else do you want? Women of your caliber, when their husband buys something from them, they just appreciate it. The fact is that you are dealing with one person, 
not the whole women on earth. Same as men. You are not dealing with every man on earth. You are dealing with one person. You're only married to one person. This is how men behave. You're only married to one person. There may be a little bit of things that cross across women or men generally. But they have strong places where a man on a woman understands or a man can speak the love language of his wife. So it could be that you can buy the whole thing on heart, but all she just wants you to do is when you're going out, is just hold her hand. At times, that is the world. It means the world than buying anything. Does that make sense? Now, this is where the issue comes when Ephesians, first of all, says, because people start from husband and wife, submit yourself to Christ. They do not start from the verse before that he said, submit to one another. People don't read that one. When they want to start, they say, wife, submit yourself to your husband. That's not where the Bible starts from. The Bible actually starts from submit one to another. So how do you get to a point where you begin to submit one to another? See, Let me use myself as an example. You cannot catch me in your sleep. <laughs> yes, I can see. Saying to my wife publicly, I love you. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm trying to be practical so we understand what I'm saying. It is a sacrifice I need to learn to make to move closer to her language. But you may not know, she will tell you, at least in a day, we probably exchange emails more than 50 times in a day. And in every single email, most of the time, I would say I love you. But I'm just not the person that is public as a human being. That is where compromise comes into place. Do you get what I'm trying to say? When, see, <laughs> we will get there where I will show you that, you know, see, as far as God is concerned, if you are in marriage and your marriage is doing this and this, God will say, excuse me, excuse that person. Because the most valuable asset God has on earth is humans. And his expectation is that the birth of a human being will be within the confines of a home. That's why even when Jesus was in inverted commas, a child out of wedlock, God went to go and meet um, what's it called, um, Joseph, to say, I need my child in a home system. Does that make sense? God help us in Jesus' name. So, <laughs> learn to understand your languages. 
what I'm going to also say is this, as we go on, is that, and this is one of the things that I feel that we need to understand, is that when God, see, there is, there, there is let's go to um, um, Matthew chapter, chapter 19. And now, when Jesus was asking, when we were talking to Jesus about the voice, about sexual immorality and things like that. I will just read verse 9 and 10. It says, sorry, from verse 8, it says, Jesus said, Moses provided the law as a concession because of the hardness of your heart, but it is not in God's original plan. This kind of struck me in a particular way. Why? Because they were talking about somebody else. But when Jesus was giving a response, he never mentioned the woman first. He mentioned the hardness of the person, of the heart of the person speaking to him. Because in the original plan of God, see, you would learn to work on yourself because marriage is only revealing the weakness already hidden in your body. Does that make sense? The Yoba people will say, Google it for translation. God bless you in Jesus' name. Now, there are people who have, and we will be talking about learning wisdom, how wisdom is important. People say, you know, ah, um, you, uh, you know, okay, this is how you would do to, to know and understand yourself. You need to live together before marriage and understand yourself or else there will be no way for you to understand yourself. Biblically, it is wrong. In the, moral, in the, in the natural world, it doesn't add up. You see statistics like this. Go to the next one, please. It says couple, oh, just over 50% of, of first cohabiting couples. You see, just Google it. You see, you see marriage gets, sorry, ever get married. In United States and United Kingdom, couples who live together are at greater risk of divorce than the non-cohabiting couples when relationships are evaluated. So he's saying that, see, even the theory that says that you have to, you have to move away from God's plan in order to kind of make, understand one another, even statistics is saying that one is failing. So, what exactly is God's plan? See, we need to be careful of where we get our wisdom from. There was a woman that had a problem with, with a fiancé. She's been dating him for a long time. So the guy just left. So the woman was shouting, ah, why is it that no, he left me and things like that? So when the conversation was hard with the guy, the guy said, I'm a very easygoing person. And she did something one day and I said, 
I don't want to live my life this way because she was winding him up. Why? Because she learned that, you know, you need to study this man well before you marry him. If you don't know the, the, the level of his anger, how are you going to be able to deal with him? So in order to find out the level of his anger, she now started winding him up. Until the guy said, you know what? You are not making me, I don't want this. And he walked away. So relationship of over six years ended up in the ditch. All because this is how they do it. See, some, of, some people, it's not what they have told you. It is what life has. You know, at times, you learn things from life. You don't know that you're already carrying baggages as you're walking into your marriage. I've seen someone who have cancer and said, I was like, why are you always giving your wife trouble? The guy said, no, you know, I don't stay around that often. I said, yes. He said, but if you don't scare her now, so that she would get, she would, you know, she, she would be shaking. By the time I come back, she would have done something. So I would now look for something. They are not fighting before. I will now look for something and begin to, it would make, God, I have, I have canceled these people even in the middle of the night. They will be fighting over nothing. But all the guy is doing is trying to save his home. And but the way he knows that once you, once you shake her, she's she's scared. She'll be afraid. Not knowing that one day, she will pack her bag and leave. Ideas from outside. Please, I'm not talking about. Cancel is important in marriage. We'll get there. Cancel is important. The Bible calls it. Wise cancer. Amen. So let's go a little bit spiritual before we go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, Deuteronomy 24, verse 5. Jesus, sorry, the, God said, this is the laws of God. Why? your marriage is important before God. He said, when a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any other business. He said, he shall be free at home one year. What is his job? To first of all bring happiness to his wife at home. So God is saying, I know that you can fight. I think that we need strong men in battle. But make sure that, it's not that make sure that your wife hits. He said, make sure she's happy. <laughs> this is scriptures. This is the Old Testament. He said, make sure that she is happy. May God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. Don't worry, I, I will answer your questions. I can see that people are saying, ah, okay. What, what if she refused to be happy? <laughs> Amen. See, one thing you need to start off from is where God started. God did not create man 
and the works of his, of his heart. I said, this is beautiful, like I said in the Bible. I said, what else trouble can I give this woman? This man, let me create a woman for you. That was not what he said. You know, when people start off by saying, women are necessary troubles, you're already on, on, on the wrong path. Because it may be what the society is saying, but that's not what the scripture said. May God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. Malachi chapter 2. He said, there, here is a second offense. You feel my worship, you, you feel my place of worship with whining, crying, and because you do not because you do not get what you want from God. Do you know why? Simple. Because God is a witness. When you spoke, when, when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride, now you are broken those vows and broken the faith bond which you vowed. Vowed, sorry, which you vowed companion and, sorry, I'll take that. Okay, your covenant wife. The next slide says, it says, um, it said, God, I love this part. God, not you, made marriage. Now, I'm reading the message, message scriptures. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. Of what as God wants for marriage, godly children, that's, that's what. So, guard the spirit of marriage within you and do not cheat on your spouse. Now, God is saying that, one, you need to understand that you did not start marriage. You are not the first person on heart that will get married. Marriage started with God. And God is interested in every little details of your marriage. I'm not talking about visions now. I'm talking about even the littlest thing that happens in your home. God is interested in it. Please notice that this scripture was not written to congregation. It was written to priests. This was God talking to the Levites in Malachi. So God was saying, see, forget about all these spiritual things. I am interested even in the things that you think. It doesn't matter to me. Even the little things in your house, I, my eyes is on it. So when you, when you, when you, the King James Version, the, the, the wife of your youth, which you have treated in a particular way that is not without respect. See, as far as God is concerned, when people stand before God in ministry, is not only looking at you 
he is looking at. That's why I said, if a man decides to become a bishop, he has wished a good thing. He said, but make sure he can manage his own. We will get to the case of managing. Managing is not boss. Guiding, managing is not, I have spoken. Please, if that is how Jesus is dealing with the church, you will not be here. I want to say something to you as we, because of my, of my time. One of the good things as a leader is to be able to allow talent to rise. Sorry if I talk a bit of football. There was an issue with Salah and Manny when they said that Salah was being selfish with football. And Manny was shouting. These guys are extremely good players. But you know what they said? They said, the coach is not... Klopp wasn't top. We, we, he said it's normal. And I said, I was thinking about him. How is it guys, this guy so... Because that is why he's paid that kind of money. Because he can manage them and still allow them be who they are and still win more... more, more. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Because when... Let's... Sorry, please. Just because... Let me just... Thank you. I want to, sorry, because it's not hop here. Matthew chapter 19, verse 10 to 12. I want the message translation. The message translation. Now, after Jesus spoke to them about marriage, what did the apostles say? The apostles said, I said, okay, maybe we should not marry. That's what they said to him. Yes, ma'am. disciples objected. Yeah. If those are the terms of marriage. If those are the terms of marriage. We're stuck. We are stuck. Why get married? Why get married? Yes, ma'am. Jesus ma said. Now, please listen to what Jesus said. That's the message translation. Yes, ma'am. Not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. Not everyone is matured enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Marriage is not for everyone. Ah, God. When I read the scripture, you know, I remember all the, I must marry by next year. I must marry by two years' time. <laughs> ah, God. Yes, yes, ma'am. Some from birth, seemingly, never give marriage a thought. Not some from birth. Just never give marriage a thought. Yes? Others never get asked. Others never get hacks. Nobody hacks them out. Yes? Or accepted. Or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. Some now decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage... Please, I'm sorry that this, the message Bible is not up there. 
He said, if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, yes, ma'am, do it. If you are capable of growing, that means that if you are in marriage and you are not thinking of how do I develop myself, you are nowhere. Jesus is saying, maybe it is not for you. If, sorry, just the next, the, no, no, not that one, please. Um, the, you, after Titus, then you have, oh, yeah, sorry, we, we don't, but I just read the translation of what this reads in the, the message. The disciples said, if this is the case of a man with a wife, it is better we stay single. And Jesus did not say, ah, please be married. Or Jesus said, no. <laughs> See, marriage is not. He said, one thing you need to do is to be ready to grow into marriage. I have said this a couple of times. When you got married, the day you say, I do, you are not an husband. You are a married man. The day you say I do, you are not a wife. You are a married woman. You grow into a husband and you grow into a wife, to become a wife. A husband is, what husband is caused from the word husbandry. So that means that you are in a garden and you are making, you are bringing out the best in that garden. You are pruning it for the beauty in it to come out. So what I am, what we, what we are saying and what the Bible is saying, and I think that is one of the parts we would, put it has, is that marriage is, I think it is a good place to stop for the first time, for the first, is that it is a place to grow into the largeness of marriage. That is why I started from the part that God does not look for experts. See, when you are in marriage and you and you have an argument, and you are more concerned about being right or winning a conversation, what you have made the other person feel like is a loser. But you can have a conversation and still be right, but make that other person feel that they are part of your reasoning to that point. Does that make sense? You know, we are nine years married now. The church is five years. That means we were very young. Six years. So that means so that means that the marriage was very young when God started all this work. My fathers will know what I'm talking about. For a young couple to have a church placed on their lap at 
a very young age. It's a lot. But by God's grace and wisdom, one thing we were, I was clear about, and I used to say it to my wife, we would, we would read more about it. That Malachi said, he was talking to priests. He said, why did I call your marriage? Is to raise godly children. One thing we need to first of all understand is this. I am not saying that God is not, has not called you and your partner into ministry. But his first priority in your house is not ministry. Then it was a bit challenging, and it's still, you know, we are still growing. I used to tell my wife, you did not marry Pastor Bayo. You married Bayo. Grow into what God has called you. Don't be forced into growing into it. Because <laughs> it, it was, it's a different dimension. And I think that is important. To leave it at that point that Jesus said, grow into marriage. Marriage is not for people who are not willing to grow. Jesus clearly said, don't bother marrying. It's not a problem. See, <laughs> I must marry by 2015. That is not scriptural. It is your wish. And the Bible, God is permitted to honor your wish. He has no, there is no scriptural band that says that if you don't marry, your destiny will not arise. He hasn't, scripture did not write that. Those came out of human desperation and God allows it. It's not a problem. But Jesus clearly sets the boundaries. If you want to go into marriage, these are the things that you must be ready to do. Marriage is large, but you must be ready to grow. As we hand this, is what I would say, and that would lead us to the place of prayer. I'm reading First Kings six seven. Marriage is a home that is being built. It's like a temple for God. You know, a temple is the place where God lives and also raises his servants. A marriage is the place where God intends to raise godly children. But you, I need you to understand that in a marriage, you and your partner are the stones in that marriage. But there are rules by God about how to build a temple. God said, when you want to use a stone, don't bring a stone into the temple and begin to hit it, force it into, into shape. Take that, that stone has 
to be finished. That stone individually has to be dealt with. Not, what am I trying to point out is this. You are a stone in your marriage. But God is saying, I need to deal with you as a person first before you talk to me about your partner. I need to bring you to the place where I am shaving, I am, I am carving you out into, so that when you come into that house, you would be able to fit in without so much challenge. I was saying to someone, 98% of what your partner is complaining about, somebody complained about it many, many times over the years. You just, it just did not appear now. But you failed to deal with it. Or you felt that now you now have somebody in close proximity who have no way of escape. That is why when God met Adam and Eve to bring them to marriage, they first, before they met each other, they met God first. God had to take Adam through a process to learn service, to learn how to care before he brought he. And that is one thing that you need to understand. That even those who are yet to get married, this is time for God to be dealing with you as a person before you get into the temple because it is not allowed that you will use a hammer inside the temple. You have to take that stone out to be dealt with separately. And that is what I want you to, as we pray for our marriages, please don't raise your pack now and say, God, deliver him. God is saying, don't worry. Let's talk about you first. Let us stand up. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.